Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned at the start of the service, we've been walking through the book of James and, and looking at sections from that book to answer some of these difficult things that we face as we live as God's people in this world. I don't think I'm going to surprise you today when I say that there is a centuries-old conundrum that the church has faced. Are we saved by what we do, or are we saved by God's grace alone? I think that you know that throughout Christianity, there are well-meaning Christians who answer that question in two different ways. Some will point to our performance and say, that's how we make ourselves right before God. And others will say, no, it is only by God's grace through faith. James dives into that very thought today. And as we look at the book of James and these words in chapter 2, it's important for us to note, first of all, this, that James is not telling us about how we are saved. He's writing to people who already are believers in Jesus. And he's pointing to the, to the importance of our works. And so today, as we answer this question, performance or grace, we're going to look at James's words and see how both are extremely important in the life of God's people. I think you'll agree with me if I would say this, that we live in a prove-it world. Very rarely do people simply want to take your word for things anymore. They want you to back it up. You know sayings like this, put your money where your mouth is, right? We know what we mean when someone is all talk and no action. Not exactly what we like to see. And we know that actions speak louder than words. That's really at the heart of what James is speaking about in James chapter 2. It's fine to say that you have faith. But James says, when faith is real, when it's genuine, when it's motivated by the love of Jesus, then that faith will spill over in what we do. As we look closely at these words from James today, let's use that phrase, performance or grace, Kind of get at the heart of what James is reminding us about. He doesn't want you to question whether you're saved by works or by God's grace. That's a done deal. We're saved by grace alone through faith. But what James wants you and I to avoid is a faith that is dead. And instead, he wants us to strive for a faith that works, that finds ways to serve not only the God who saved us, but the people around us as well. As we begin this text from James in chapter 2, verse 14, notice the questions that James asks. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Again, you can understand why people get a little uncomfortable with these words from time to time. And maybe as I read James chapter 2 before, there were parts of your mind as you thought back to your days if you took confirmation classes in Martin Luther's catechism where you thought, wait a minute, this isn't what I learned in catechism class. What, what is James talking about here? Isn't it all about grace and faith and, and not about what we do? And so it's important for us to separate the two, at least at the beginning of our discussion today. In no way is James saying in this section that you and I are justified before God by our performance, 
by what we do. As a matter of fact, if we go a little bit later into chapter 2, James gives the example of Abraham. And he states it this way. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And yet James points to the obedience of Abraham to demonstrate that Abraham lived his faith. And so that's the way that faith and works are related. They're related to each other because you really can't separate them in the life of a believer. Would you be surprised to know, and maybe you already knew this, that Martin Luther struggled, especially early in his time as a preacher of the gospel after the Reformation with the book of James, particularly James chapter 2. He was so sensitive to the idea that we are justified by God's grace through faith alone that he struggled with the idea that James would say faith without works is dead. And we get it in our world too, don't we? Isn't there confusion, even among well-meaning Christians, exactly what James is talking about here? Aren't there people that will say things like this? Well, 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 wait a minute. All I need is faith? I don't have to do anything? And they think that somehow they found a loophole in, in this religion thing, in this being right with God. I, I don't, doesn't matter what I do. I can do anything that I want. And, and as long as I have faith, I'm saved, Right? And while James wouldn't discount that completely, what he is trying to help us avoid is a faith that doesn't have any desire to follow God's will for our lives. He's trying to help us avoid what he will call a, a dead faith. James wants us to live for the one who loved us first. Yes, there's no question that you and I are saved by grace through faith. That is God's gift to you and me. Our salvation is secured and it's completely out of our hands because Jesus did it all. So where do the good things that we do, where does our performance fit into the equation? Maybe a, a real brief quiz this morning will help you. I'm not going to ask you to give me an answer, but here's what I'd love for you to do. When I put the quiz on the board in just a couple of moments, would you just talk to someone next to you and talk about which one you think is true and why, okay? So here's the quiz. Good works are A, necessary, or B, necessary for salvation. I will give you this hint before you start talking. One is true and one is not, okay? Go ahead. I'll give you a few seconds to chat with the people nearby to you. Okay, you all have it figured out, right? I won't ask for anybody to suggest anything. But is it pretty obvious that letter A is the true one and letter B is incorrect? If it was up to me to do something for my salvation, it, it would never happen. Paul writes so clearly in Romans chapter 3, we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You see, our works, our performance has nothing to do with salvation as far as earning that salvation ourselves. And yet, what James is saying very clearly is when a person has faith, the works will necessarily follow. Good works will happen when we've been touched by the love of Jesus in our own lives. We'll want to pass that love on to others. I may have talked to you, a few of you, about this before, but when we moved to the home that, that we have in the Madison area, 
I was very surprised to discover that we have two peach trees in our yard. And those peach trees produce so many peaches that we have to give them away to other people because we can't cut them all up in time to save them. I think this last year between our two, pe two peach trees, we harvested over 400 peaches. And they're delicious. I'll try to bring some next year, okay, if I remember. But isn't that how it works? When you plant a fruit tree, don't you expect it to produce fruit? And if it didn't pr produce fruit, wouldn't you try a few things to make it? And if it didn't, wouldn't you cut it down? Jesus once made that very same point. That when a person has faith in Jesus, they will necessarily produce fruit, produce good works, just as a tree does the same. And that's what James wants us to see. He drives his point home with an illustration that is pretty easy to understand. Suppose, James says, a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? When I read those two verses this week, I, I felt they were especially hard-hitting. Because I realized that, that even, even though I, I try in my life to not be self-centered, to not be all about me, I realize how easy it is for that to happen. How easy it is for us to fall into the trap of, of wanting to keep all of the blessings that we have for ourselves, of forgetting that we have opportunities to share those blessings with others. James gives us this easy-to-understand lesson simply to point out Look how important it is for our works to follow after our faith. It's one thing to say to somebody, I hope your life gets better. I hope you are warm and well-fed. But when we have the means to do something about it, when we have a way to help them, isn't that a, the most heartless thing that you can do? Is hope that somehow, some other way, that person will be taken care of? And that's what James is driving at. I can't even tell you how many times in my life as a pastor I've marveled at the generosity of God's people as they take care of others who are in need. But it's always important, isn't it, to ask ourselves the question, what more? What more can we do? Are there more ways for us to demonstrate the love of God to others in our lives? You see, what James wants for us is a heart, a heart of faith that is constantly on the lookout for how we can show love for others in the same way that God showed us love first. That's why James simply asks the question, what good? What good is it if, it's there's, if there's faith, if that faith doesn't respond in action? And in verse 17, James goes so far as to call that kind of faith dead. Listen to the last two verses we'll look at today, verses 17 and 18. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, action is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. In the NIV 1984, I learned that passage this way. Show me your faith by my deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. And you see what James is trying to get at. What our works, what our good deeds, what our performance is, it's simply proof that God has already planted the seed of faith inside of us. It's that love that God has for us, the love that we get to see every time we think about Jesus on the cross. 
Every time we look into an empty tomb, it's that love that motivates us to love others. As John wrote, we love because he first loved us. How blessed, how blessed we are to know and believe this truth. Jesus showed the greatest love that's ever been demonstrated in this world. He was willing to come to this world and take on our sins, sacrifice himself on the cross, and present you and me to his heavenly Father as people who are pure and holy, even though, as Isaiah says, the best things that we can do, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You have been credited with the perfect life of Jesus. Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, you and I have that exact same faith that God credits as perfection, as holiness, so that we can stand before him. What we do, our performance, our works, they aren't to save us. That's already taken care of. Instead, they are our response, our thank you, our gratitude for everything that God has already accomplished for us. Did you hear how Jesus talked about that in our gospel lesson? It's kind of an amazing exchange that Jesus has with the sheep and the goats in that lesson. As he separates the sheep and the goats, he pronounces judgment first. I suppose it's a little backwards to us because we're used to the courtroom where all the evidence is presented and then the verdict is read. But as Jesus lines people up on the last day, he first announces the verdict. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. That's the verdict. You're saved. I've claimed you as my own. But did you notice what Jesus did next? He pointed to our works. He pointed to our works as the response to that love that we have been shown first. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you came and visited me. And we are going to say to Jesus on that last day, when? When, Lord, did we see you all of those things? And did you hear Jesus' response? Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You see, that's what James is driving at in James chapter 2. Not a performance that can somehow save you, but a performance that reflects the faith that God has already given you and saved you through by the grace that he has given us in Jesus. James would say to you and me today, show your faith by what you do. The Apostle Paul said the very same thing in these verses in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Aren't those amazing verses? Establishing with perfect clarity how we're saved by God's grace through faith alone. But that as people who have been given that blessing, we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Number one, faith, not works, saves us from sin. As Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said this, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Number two, faith is shallow and empty, even dead, James would say, unless it changes the way we live. 
In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote it this way, Christ's love compels us. For we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And finally, number three, we pray for a faith that works and opportunities to show love for God by loving others. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Maybe you caught the words in James chapter 2 a little bit later as he was talking about Abraham. He used the phrase that faith and works are working together. If we ask that question, performance or grace, we cannot apply that to our salvation. But what James wants to demonstrate is our performance is connected to grace in this way. Once touched by the love of God, then what we do will flow from that love that God has demonstrated to us first. Those two things work together. Perhaps the best illustration that I could come up with is if you've ever been in a rowboat, you have two oars, right? And if you use only one oar, it works if you need to turn or something, but if you only use that one oar over and over and over again, you are going to go in a circle. But if you use both, you can move in the direction that you want to go. God has given us our faith by grace to believe in him, but he's also prepared for us works for us to do. And when those two things are working together, when they're working hand in hand, then we are looking, looking out for the people that God has put in our life to serve with the same love that God has shown to us first. Let's take this encouragement from James today as we consider this idea of performance or grace Let's show people our faith by what we do. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.